When I was growing up, my parents were very strict and very conscientious about addressing priests. It was always father or monsignor last name. And I grew up in St. Louis near Benedictine Abbey where my grandparents were parishioners. If we went over there, it was father first name. But every priest was always father or monsignor last name. Full disclosure, as a result of this training, it's always a little off-putting or kind of shocking to me when someone who's not an intimate friend or a family member says my first name to me in a priestly setting. It's not that I'm offended or anything, it's just kind of like I was so trained by my parents that you always say father last name or father first name, right? Or Monsignor, if they had that title, or bishop, right? Right after my ordination, though, the priest who baptized me and also vested me at my ordination, called me and invited me to celebrate Mass at his parish. It was a tremendous honor and a great gift, frankly. And he called me, and I called him back. We, we were playing phone tag, and he picked up the phone, and I said, hey, Monsignor, like him, this is, this is Patrick. And he says, stop right there, Patrick. From now on, you call me John. And I was shocked. I mean, this was like my grandfather asking me to call him by his first name. I mean, I revere this man, and he's 40 years my senior, if not more. This was the man who inspired me to the priesthood. He is on a pedestal, and yet in that moment, he showed me such great love and intimacy. From now on, because we are brothers in the priesthood of Jesus Christ, there's a parody. He wants me to see him no longer as that, so to speak, idol, but as a fellow sojourner walking on this journey toward the Lord with him. It was a powerful moment. Now, I'll be honest with you. I talk with him somewhat regularly, and it still causes me a great deal of duress every time I have to call him by his first name. And any time I'm in the presence of my mother, who still calls him Father Likeum, I smile and smirk at her, and she gets all upset because I can call him by his first name, and she can't. It's wonderful. It's lovely. Gifts of priesthood, I guess. This is the beauty, though, of names. Not only when we know someone's name, but when they invite us into that intimacy of relationship, of sharing that name, of calling each other by our names. And in the first reading, this is what God desires for the people. You know, the church is always taught and held that we can know that there is a God, that there's something greater than us, just by natural reason. So the Hebrew people might have recognized that this God who exists knows and loves us. But by revealing his name and inviting his people, his chosen people, into that special relationship of being on that first name basis, the Lord shows us the intimacy he desires with all of us. He doesn't just want to be up there, unknowable. He wants to be intimately involved in our lives on a first name basis. And we also know from Revelation that the Lord desires even more of that. He doesn't just want us to know his name. By becoming incarnate, by becoming one of us, God himself wants us to see his face, to touch him, to know him, to see him. This is the intimacy with which God is calling each and every one of us. Again, not to something distant, but to something very personable. In the Psalms, we hear this great echoing phrase, Seek the face of the Lord. And in the Eucharist, Jesus shows us his face. And in confession, Jesus shows us his merciful face. It's not something extrinsic. Now it's intrinsic. It's intimate. It's personal. 
And in the burning bush, he shows us exactly what he desires for each and every one of us, now and forever in heaven. The angel of the Lord appears in the bush as if it's on fire but not consumed. So great is the intimacy with which that angel shares the love of God that it's almost awe-inspiring. In fact, it's frightful to Moses. But it inspires him. It draws him closer. It invites him to something more. And so when each one of us become intimately engaged in the love of God, seeking ever His face, we become like that burning bush. We become that star. We become that thing which guides others to this wonderful and intimate relationship with the Lord. These are, in essence, the lives of the saints who are so close to the Lord. In some cases, there are stories, like in St. Rose of Lima, when she would receive the Eucharist, that her face shone like the sun. And yes, in one way, that's mysterious and frightening, but it's also enticing because we see what the Lord has in store and desires, not just for the few, but for all. Beautiful and wonderful as this is, we also recognize, as we heard in the second reading in the Gospel, Sin continues to reign in the world. St. Paul reminds us, and it's good to remind us, that in the Old Testament, when the Hebrews are given the name of God, when they are freed from slavery, when they are fed and taken care of and promised the promised land in the, in the desert, almost all of them wholeheartedly at some point reject the Lord. We also know in our own lives this same thing. We know God's love. We know the promises. We know the glory He has in store for us. But we struggle with immorality, sin, evil, brokenness, backbiting, politics. All of these things get in the way oftentimes. And we don't oftentimes know or even any time what to do. Because we get so caught up in the rat race. We get so caught up in pursuing things that are not of God. And all of a sudden we look at our lives and we recognize, like the landowner in the gospel today, we're not bearing any fruit. The glory, though, of all of this is that the Lord desires the salvation of all. The Lord never tires of seeking you. The Lord is constantly coming after you, inviting you, though. He's not going to force you. He's going to ask you again and again and prod again and again and again to repent and convert. And the Lenten season helps us do that by stripping away through fasting some of the things that deter us or get in the way of us and God. By taking on extra prayers and service to the poor, we put intimacy with God. We become so intimate that if we return to that name basis, as Jesus shows us, that even though we get in the Old Testament, Yahweh, this beautiful name of God, Jesus goes even more intimately. He shows us Abba, Papa, Father. That the Lord is so wonderful, so marvelous, that the intimacy becomes something that a beloved only has with his or her beloved. That there is this such great profoundness of intimacy the Lord calls each and every one of us to and offers to us by cultivating the soil of our hearts through prayer, by fertilizing it through the sacraments, by calling us to unity through the church. That each one of us can bear fruit, not because of our own work, but because we have this intimate love of God. He is our Papa. He is our Beloved. 
He is whatever little nickname you have for those in your lives who you love with the most profound love. Today's readings are jarring, though. We get this juxtaposition of the intimacy God desires for us and the reality of what happens. We are cut off and destroyed if we do not repent and do not convert. The Lord clearly desires and is working in your life, especially during this Lenten season. Come to the sacrament of confession. Allow the Lord to fertilize, to rebuild, to cultivate the soil around you. But also turn to your brothers and sisters so that you're not alone in this. Because the intimacy God shares with each of us, he also desires for each of us to share with each other. It's not easy to be on a first-name basis with someone because it requires so much. But the Lord has so much in store for us. He looks upon each and every one of us, tells us his name, and tells us a name that only he can say and only we know. Seek the face of the Lord and talk to him face to face on a first name basis.